Hey gang, it's Harold. I'm podcasting to you from the bunker. In the interest of distracting myself and my gaming friends, I'm reaching out to some interesting people to ask them what they're doing game-wise. With such a big time dividend, I want to hear what they're playing, designing, and thinking about. No CNN, no CNBC, just games. My production obsession will have to be put on hold as I'm most interested in communicating with you rapidly and with some interesting content. This podcast documents a discussion I had with Vez Arponen. Hello? Hello, Vez. Harold. Hey, Harold. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good to hear your voice. <laughs> Thank you. Likewise. <laughs> likewise. We've uh, we've communicated back and forth and worked on a number of things together, but never uh, never exchanged Yeah, never voices. spoken to each other. Yes. You know, and the funny thing is your voice sounds so, so familiar, you know, because I'm a big fan of your podcast. You know, I've listened to you for hours and hours and, uh, you know... You, I feel like I know you, you know, I, I wonder sometimes like when you are in the con, cons and stuff, you know, people come to you and they, they obviously know your voice and they know a little bit about your sense of humor and all that. What, how you feel about that when they, when they sort of come to you and they feel like they know you and you don't really, you know, obviously you don't know them, you know, so is there, is there sort of a, is a strange situation sometimes I can imagine? Well, first of all, you're very kind to say that you listen to the podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that and appreciative uh, because you're a bright guy and, and love, love that you listen. The, uh, the, the, it's an odd sort of celebrity when you think about it, right? That, that we get, I don't know, four or 5,000 downloads on a, on a popular show that has yeah. somebody like Volko or Mark Herman and, and and so there are a few people that know me, but you spread those people out across the country, maybe around the world. Yeah. It's very rare that I run into somebody that recognizes. But I I love to hear it, and I love uh, you know people have been so uh, so supportive. Certainly the online community, uh, which is where I see most of the 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 recognition. But um, yeah. yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm a great fan, and I I've I've listened to literally every every episode. Just today, as you posted the. Uh, the new Mark Herman uh, interview or, or your chat with him, I, I just listened to that, and you know, obviously now going with a little bit of uh, nervousness into my my own, uh, you know, fe- feature in in your show, uh, you know, having just listened to fifteen minutes of Mark Herman stories, you know. Right, right. Who can compete with Mark Herman? I I feel like a, a you know maybe I should just turn the show over to Mark Herman and let him start calling people because yeah, no, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. No, but you've got a, you've got a great uh, radio voice. I feel. Well, you're very. I, I, I can listen to you a lot. You're very kind. I, I could listen to you forever. You're very kind. <laughs> well, don't tell your wife, um, and we'll just leave it at that. But, <laughs> cool. <laughs> hey, uh, look, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. I've got a, a thousand questions, uh, but if you don't mind, I've got a few uh, ground rules that I'd like to set. Yeah, let's see them. Okay, so the first round, ground rule is is no discussion of medic, medicine or medical condition. Mm-hmm. Second is no discussion of politics. Gotcha. And third is no discussion of financial markets. Okay, fine. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I'm happy to veer away from those things, and and that's really the idea is to provide a, a an alternative for people to listen to something interesting and fun and game oriented as opposed to uh, the challenges of the day. Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, Vez, you and I've worked together a lot on the coin system. Uh, and and yeah. I've seen you work around certainly the solo system. 
Mm-hmm. And and you you've been heavily involved in my South China Sea with great advice and and uh, and yeah, I've really enjoyed that. So I'd I'd love to hear how you got involved in the coin system. Yeah, so originally I I started as a fan of the uh, series. So whenever Fire in the Lake came out, I I bought the game and was really. Um, you know, enjoying the game, I, I played solo. To this day, I, I played it more solo than, than you know, in a multiplayer uh, setting. And, uh, you know, my main, my chief uh, gaming partners are six and a 10-year-old children. So, uh, you know, I tend to do a lot of solitaire gaming. And, and Fire in the Lake was really, you know, my entry in many ways into the, um, the hobby itself, you know, uh, into war, war gaming or con- conflict simulations. And uh, so, and uh, then board game geek, you know, you you correspond with other fans there. And uh, I don't quite remember how it came about, but I, at some point, I I you know I, I had sort of ambition in in design area and and sort of thought of ways to improve the clarity of the uh, the flow charts in the solitaire system and. And sort of that way, I, I kind of came to propose to Volko, you know, the series coin series creator Volko Runke, whom you know very well. Yes. Um, I proposed that I, you know, look into doing a variant bots for the uh, a distant plane. And Volko, you know, how he is always so, so uh, you know, open to new ideas and open to new talents coming into the uh, hobby. He just said, "Yeah, go for it," you know. And I started doing it, and those bots are. Uh, uh, came out eventually in in the uh, C3I magazine, and uh, they've been since included in the uh, in the latest reprint of the uh, of the of the main, of the base game, right? So, yes. so that's how I really got into it. And uh, one thing led to another. I did the bot the uh, the government bot for uh, Colonial Twilight. You know, Brian uh, Train's two player. Uh, coin game and um, yeah, that's how I sort of got into it as a, as a fan going to Volcom proposing my my uh, you know ideas and and that's how it sort of how, how it started. Yeah. Well, the you know the 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 pinnacle of that, of course, is the publication of All Bridges Burning. Um, how did how did how did that start? What w- w- is that an issue? Is that a, a history you've been interested in since a child? Because you're you're in Germany now, as I understand it. But you're yeah. from Finland. Yeah. So originally, you know, I, I come from Finland. I was born and raised in, in Finland. And now I live in Germany, you know, with my family and, and work here and so on. But originally I come from Finland. And obviously, you know, all Bridges Burning being, uh, you know, game on the Finnish um, Civil War, 1917, 1918. Um, you know, it's got Finnish history in it. And, and, and obviously my, my original interest in that topic comes from my, you know, background being a Finnish guy and all that. And, um, so, um, yeah. And I, I, I felt like this is, this is a topic that I, you know, know something about. I, I didn't, wouldn't have felt comfortable creating a coin game on some, I don't know, some other, you know, counter insurgency situation somewhere completely else in the world. So obviously that's how it came about. And, uh, yeah, just as with the, with the bots, I, um, I got in. Oh, I was in touch with Volko already through the the work with the bots, and uh, and I said that yeah, I've got this idea for um, a coin game, and it could be it's going to be a three player game on the Finnish Civil War. You know, the interesting thing is, I um, you know the topic is obviously uh, 
not, it, the, this conflict, the Finnish civil war, I mean, who knows anything about it? Let's be honest. You know, it's one of those those really obscure, small conflicts that nobody really knows knows much about. And my full expectation was when I when I proposed this game to Vulcan, I said it to him, you know, I um, I proposed this to you, uh, but I'm, I'm kind of thinking that it may come out as a, you know, some sort of a fan uh variant on whatever bgg or maybe as a magazine funny little magazine uh you know coin mini game or something like that and then volko uh, looked at the you know the rules and i've got a i had a vassal vassal module and all that stuff and then a couple of days later he wrote back and said yeah i think this is great i've already been in touch with uh, gene belingsley of gmt games and they are interested and uh let's go p500 so you know that was really <laughs> that was really an amazing uh, you know, um, situation for me, and and of course is a testament to Volko as a as a person. You know how open he is. You know, as I, as I mentioned earlier, how open he is to new ideas, to new talents, to to you know people just working with his you know original system. And 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 same goes for GMT Games. You know, just so welcoming, so warm people. It's a, such a uh, you know privilege to be able to be working with them on this. Yeah. Yeah, Volko's a treasure. There's no question. Um, yeah, he's a role 100%. model in in life, not just in games. In my opinion, as to how he conducts himself and how he facilitates yeah. and is selfless about it. Yeah, it's it's great. It's great, and and I think um, yeah, that probably contributes a lot to the the coin series being such a you know a dynamic series series that's just growing and growing and and continuing. You know, it's it's great. It's just a Volko is, is, is really a great guy. He is. And, and you know, so I, I, I go back and forth between the fantastic idea at the right time and and just the best person to run with, to, to run and facilitate and touch people. Um, whether it's someone that has questions or someone that has a criticism, he's just the best. But uh, so. Yeah, and I, yeah, sorry, go on. I was, I was going to ask, you know, we got All Bridges Burning is three-player. Mm-hmm. Could you talk yeah. a little bit about, maybe we start with the history, but I'd also like to talk a little bit about how the mechanics have changed uh, in to accommodate the three-player structure. Yeah, so um, uh, so the history of it is, um, so if you, if you go on Wikipedia or some, you know, grab a book on this topic, you will, you will read... Uh, about the war as a as a two player or two two faction affair. So it's the it's the whites against the reds, right? And I uh, I was reading on the reading up on the topic, and I you know obviously encountered that two player two faction approach as well. Um, but um, then there were you know little hints here and there of this kind of third pacifist faction that was sort of, you know, involved in that conflict as well. And that's how the, the idea really came to me. You know, I, I want to tell a little different, a little bit of a different story, uh, you know, of this of this civil war, because after all, as you, you may imagine it, you, you may, be, may be able to imagine it also from the, the U.S. Contest in, uh, context, uh, you've had your own, you know, civil war and how polarizing something like that can be and it's kind of the same in the in the Finnish context and so 
I felt that it was important to show that all the while, uh, you know, uh, there was a third faction. There was a third faction that was really characterized by the kind of things that we associate with Finland in the post-war, in, in the, after the after the politics, you know, the, how the politics developed after the war. So I felt like it was important, especially in these, uh, you know, you could say polarized political times these days to kind of make a game about, uh, you know, create a, create a sort of a game where there's a third, there's a third option as it were, you know, so, so um, that's how we came about. I forgot, I forgot about what your, what your question actually was, sorry. Well, I, I was, I was, I'm interested in the history. So I think you've, you've talked about it a little bit. I, you know, in the United States, we did have uh, a notable civil war and, uh, yeah. you know, driven by human rights issues. What, what were the macro issues associated with with the yeah, Finnish so with Civil the, War? With the Finnish uh, Civil War, so it was really a, a class struggle in some sense. So uh, Finland uh, in 1917, when the when the game uh, where the game uh, picks up, uh, is a is a semi-autonomous uh, province of the Russian Empire, right? So it's not an independent country at all. And um, the, just like uh, some parts of, of Russia itself, um, Finland is relatively rapidly industrializing at this point. And, you know, industrialization is creating this kind of tensions between the, the working class and, and the, uh, the bourgeoisie and the nobility, right? And um, so it's in really that the macro issue, issue is there. You know, Finland has got uh, uh, societal conditions that are feudal, especially essentially feudal, especially in the countryside, right? So the, the, the working class really has something to be sort of unhappy about, really. And this is then, you know, you, you mix in some sort of political agitation and all the rest of it, and then you've got suddenly a, a revolutionary situation also in Finland, obviously aided by what was going on in Russia at the time. So this is really the the major macro issue, you know, the, the class class struggle there. And that's, of course, where the, the two-player, two-faction treatment uh, come from you know the idea that they are the the, the whites the bourgeoisie and then there's the they are the reds uh, you know the working class and this is this is the traditional view on it and uh, at the same time you know as I mentioned we've got a we've got the third third uh, faction that I in the game call the moderates so these would be people who came um, historically speaking from uh, both sides from the uh, bourgeoisie but also from the uh, the working class but who said okay um fighting is not the answer here we need to you know preserve our parliamentary democracy um we need to solve things that way and uh so this is kind of what this faction is is doing in the game it's a, it's a pacifist faction it's trying to in various ways basically calm down the the polarized sentiment um in in the in the country and sort of try to pave way for a post-war settlement and, a, and a, you know, trying to essentially stop the country from uh, falling apart. Um, so the class struggle is really one macro issue. The other macro issue that features really strongly and, and centrally in the game is, is the idea that, you know, as I mentioned, Finland was a semi-autonomous uh, province of Russia at that time and but finland is is kind of to this very day uh, in a strange uh 
position if you look at the neighboring countries. So Sweden in the, to the west, uh, Norway to the north, and then Russia to the east. Uh, and these, all these three countries, they've got a very different language compared to fin, you know, Finland. The, the languages are just from completely different, you know, language families. There's, there's no similarity whatsoever there. And, and so as a result, probably as a result of this language issue, um, Finland, Finns and Finland always, even though Finland was not an independent country, they often ha always had a, a really strong sense of national identity, right? And, and so, so going into 1917 and then 1918, and as Russia was going deeper into its own own revolution, uh, you know, Finns saw this across the political board. So also the bourgeoisie, also the uh, the working class, they saw this as a chance for Finland to become independent. And this was really one of the key issues and features in the game very much in a very central role. Interesting. So let's talk a little bit about mechanics then. You go from what traditionally sure. has been a four-player system or even two-player uh, under Brian Train's application to uh -huh. three-player. How, how does the system change for three-player? Yeah, so... Um uh, how it changes is, well, um, I guess one way to start going into the topic is, uh, you know, to remind ourselves of the uh, the cards in the coin, in a, in a, in a four-player coin game. You know, they've got the, the faction symbols at the top, and this is this is the, the symbols uh, dictate the, uh, the order of eligibility on a given turn, right? And um, so one thing that happens in both in Colonial Twilight and in All British Burning is those symbols are gone. So there's no faction order determined by that at all, um, because, um, you know, um, especially, I, th I think in Colonial Twilight Bells and, and Old British Burning, if you've got the faction order in the cards and three factions, you're just going to get a really messy, strange kind of situation where there's only one faction occasionally uh, eligible, you know, if you'd preserve the, the four-player eligibility system. So that really had to had to go and then so similar to colonial twilight so what happens is uh, whether you're eligible and what action options are available to you depends on the actions that you've taken not on the symbols on the cards but on the the actions you've taken so this is really the major change i think that um you know you can see both in colonial twilight and in old bridges burning so you've got a random eligibility order at the game start you know, just pull the eligibility cylinders out of your hand and then determine a random order. And um, and then from there on, everything is um, determined by what actions you're taking. So if you go for the for the, the full command with a special activity option, this is going to render you ineligible on the next card. Otherwise, you're going to be staying eligible all the time from one card to the next. But obviously, you're not getting the, the most powerful action, right? You can you can play an event, you can play in a, a limited command, but uh, you're not getting the powerful, um, you know, combination of a command and special activity. You only get that if you, at the, at the price of, you know, becoming inel ineligible. So that's really essentially um, how, how it works, yeah. And, and how much you do, whether it's a limited operation or an operation or take the event, then also defines where you are on the hierarchy for the next term, right? It, I'm just I'm thinking yeah. about if you're eligible, if you're still eligible after what you did last turn, how do you decide yeah. what goes first? Yeah, so so essentially, you know, on a given card, um, one faction might take a limited command, and the other faction might take a 
and play the event or trigger the event, the current event. And um, so in the in the eligibility display, you've got just simply A in the box for limited command and B for the event, or sometimes it's the other way around. And um, yeah, you just re- return back to eligible in the in the alphabetical order, and it actually works quite nicely. You can you can uh, recreate many of the familiar dynamics in in this three-player eligibility system, such as that you know if there's a really bad event, then you can block. The, the second eligible faction from taking that event by playing a limited command yourself and therefore choosing a you know a, a row in the eligibility uh, display that does not include the event option right so so um, this is a familiar dynamic also from the four player uh, system you've got that and um, yeah but a couple of things are different I mean one thing is certainly, you know, the, the fact that you can basically be eligible on every single card throughout the entire game, if you if you so wish. Uh, that's probably not going to happen in, in practice, but uh, it's it's a possibility. And, and, and most of the, oh, well, I'm not sure if most of the time, rather, a lot of the time you're actually taking limited command. So what this implies for one thing is um, you've got a greater, greater pace of play, right? So you're just taking these short, quick actions, and then the next guy's, is is up and so on. So the game proceeds quite a lot faster than than many of the the four player uh, games. Plus, of course, in all purchase burning, the map is is relatively small, a small number of pa- uh, spaces and all that. So, but uh, yeah, so that's one con- consequence of a really fast uh, tempo of play. Did um, does it impact the way you constructed your AI or your bots? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, um, you know, uh, when the game itself, the base game, plays fast, then you want to want that to carry over into the uh, solitaire system design as well. And and th- this is where uh, the idea of using cards uh, came up. And this this idea was circulating in the, uh, you know, the coin design, uh, <laughs> how to call it, the coin design inner circle, as it were. I mean, essentially, people who have had something to do with the coin coin system in the past this idea was circulating there already maybe two or three years ago and um and so i yeah i I thought yeah it'd be be fast and nicer if it wouldn't have to always look through that you know flow chart which is often involves a lot of repetition you know reading through the same same conditions and processing that so i thought you know drawing the cards would be you know would speed up that process well it throws up another set of design challenges well anyway um so uh, yeah, so I, I, I came up with the idea of, of using cards also for this game, and then at the same time, I think uh, uh, Bruce was starting with his Gandhi uh, uh, coin design, and also had the same idea of doing cards. And then, sort of two, three years later, we've got actually quite different approaches to to how the cards are are being uh, are, are used in, in in running the solitaire system. Although they are interestingly. Um, um, a lot of similarities as well, but um, essentially the, the big difference is in all British burning, everything is in the cards. Uh, whereas in, in Gandhi, you've got the cards and they send you to look up things in, in, in play aids, uh, you know, where where the priorities are laid out, uh, you know, in, in a way that is that allows you to sort of take in more and put, put in more sort of specifications and all that. So that's really the big difference uh, from my perspective, yeah. You know, one of the things that Bruce did on Gandhi that I thought was was great, 
as it related to bots, was he he adjusted the events in the cards yeah. to accommodate the direction and make it easier to execute with the bots. And that yeah. you know that's it's it sounds silly, but it's such a difference from the other uh, the other games which were primarily finished, and then we we bolted a an AI on top of it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And I you know I was just. Um, Speaking of solo gaming, I was just in the last couple of days, I've been playing um, uh, Labyrinth Awakening, you know, with the, using the Awakening uh, expansions. Just, uh, it's, a, it's a great, uh, great, uh, you know, game, Labyrinth, the base game, but also the Awakening. I was just so thematic. It's, it's unbelievable. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, as I was playing this, it was really the first time that I, I had played this game. It's been in my shelf for, for, for quite a long time. And I think... Maybe some years ago, I, I took it out and played a little bit, but I had basically forgotten all about it. And then I was reading uh, the, you know, the the bot, um, you know, sheet and 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 the rules, and and I noticed, hey, wait a minute, they have all the same same ideas that then uh, later on came up in the uh, in the Gandhi bots. And 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 one of the things was uh, indeed that the, the event texts. So I, be, I believe um, Trevor Bender, the you know the designer of the Awakening expansion, yes. um, says in the designer notes that. Um, yeah, uh, the, the the event text uh, were, texts were really essentially clarified during the solitary design process, and I think that I think that's great. That's that's um, that's just shows you. I think that it helps to have an external pair of eyes to look at what you are doing and sort of look at it from a different perspective and look at it from yeah usability perspective. I think I think that's 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 important. Yeah, I agree. And you know, the in my mind, the 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 best solo designer amongst us is John Butterfield. And if you look uh, at yeah. what he did when he was with SPI and certainly what he's done with games like Enemy Action Ardennes, um, yeah. I, I think I think the difference that makes John so good is that he thinks about the solo system from the time he starts design. Yeah, and, sure. And yeah. so you end up, which is obvious, right? But you, you just end up with a, a more integrated, more elegant solo system. And one yeah, of my sure. one of my great frustrations with um, with with liberty or death, and in, in particular, I, I can speak to that because I see it and touch it. But with that game, eighty five percent of the questions we get are about the bots. Yeah, and it's sure. and it's not because the bots are poorly designed, no. um, right? I, I I think you know I would argue that we we probably should take a different view at the highest level, but it's just because they're so complex and the complexity so high. Um, yeah, that, that drives the the need to ask questions. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously, having you know uh, fought my own little battles with the bots, and you know, um, at first as a fan, and then later on as a designer, you know, I'm, I'm and you know, I'm very familiar with these discussions from Board Game Geek, uh, where where I see this being being had, and uh, and yeah, the the fundamental thing I think is that. Um, the, there are so many action options in a in a coin game. You know the maps; they, they are huge. You've got loads of spaces. Everything there, there are a lot of possibilities. Everything's open, and then you try to come up with an AI that somehow picks some sort of a competitive cause of action from everything that's possible. Uh, that's just going to create a lot of complexity. Uh, you know, in the uh, in the coin. 
in, in the bot, um, you know, flow charts or cars or, you know, in the if, action if selection. That's, if that's the way we choose to do it, I agree that it creates tremendous complexity. My, yeah. my, my conjecture, though, is that we, we don't have to be purists about the information that comes into and the information that comes out of the AI. And, and, yeah. and we seem to be right. We seem to we want to we want it. We want the AI to understand every bit of data on the map and we want the AI mm -hmm. to consider it. And we want the AI to set out a choice amongst every possible choice. And if you look yeah. at if you, and we've put that standard on ourselves, right? If you look at Euro games, they, they, they take a different path and they're an AI can provide just a simple counter to your argument. And let me let me sure. say it a different way. We act like the bots don't cheat, but yeah. the original bots cheat a lot. For example, limited yeah. command, command and special, right? Yeah. And and uh, the other way the bots cheat, which is the biggest cheat of all, which is mm -hmm. you can't win a game if you're the if you're the participant, right? If you're the player, you can't mm -hmm. win a game until the end. You but the bots can win at the interface. That's a huge cheat. So, yeah. so let's at least face the fact that our bots cheat and start simplifying yeah, sure. the process. And and, sure. and let me take it a step further, Vez. I'm sorry. I'm interviewing you, and now I'm pontificating on this stuff. But, no, it's good. But, but the other thing to me is, uh, no, I, th I think that, that we have a group of solo players that love the nature of the bots and uh, are frustrated with all the things that we talk about. But I think there's a uh -huh. universe of players much greater than the current solo players that if the bots were easier to implement and execute, uh -huh. they would love to play solo. Yeah, sure. I, um, I think, you know, there's, there may be something going on here in terms of, you know, what you might call group think, you know, that we've yes. set, as you put it, just we've set the standard that the bots have to be, you know, realistic and then, you know, when we put that standard down and then start designing, then, you know, only one thing can really come out. Um, that's certainly, I, I, you know, I don't want to dismiss that thought, but, but um, I, I wrote about this um, a couple of years ago on Inside GMT in one of those articles on, um, maybe it was the Colonial Twilight Bots or something like that. And, um, and sort of the argument that I advanced, or it's not really an argument, it's more like a, so the analysis of the situation that I advanced there was this idea that a coin game uh, is sort of is a game um, you know that involves a lot of strategic placement. So in that sense, it's a game system that is very similar to chess in certain ways. You know, like when you play chess, you are placing pieces um, in a way that preempt actions, right? You try to get into those, um, forget what the term is in chess, you know, those lines of, um, you know, you try to get your piece in places so that you block certain lines of action, you pose certain indirect threats and that kind of stuff, right? right? And the coin game is sort of similar in the sense that you are not, uh, very often you are not directly doing something against somebody, but you're rather preparing the ground for doing something later on, right? So this is strategic placement. This is what I mean by strategic placement. And now when you want to design a, a solitaire system for a game that involves strategic placement, then you basically, I fear, 
And this was my argument in the Inside GMT uh, article. I fear what it means is the bot needs to analyze the board state. And therefore, we get into these, uh, you know, co- uh, bot systems that have, um, you know, the flowchart structure or something, something similar to it. I mean, the cards essentially have a flowchart built into them as well. Um, and, and because the, the analysis of the board state is so important in a strategic placement game. Yeah. You can't, to put it in another way, you can't have an AI system in chess that is based on randomness because the whole game is about strategic placement in anticipation of future you know moves possibilities dangers and that kind of stuff so i fear i fear that that's the kind of thing that really is apart from whatever group think may be going on um, really so sort of the challenge that we're dealing with here no that's I, I think that's a reasonable point that 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 it's that it is so complex and it's a strategy oriented game where there are multiple levels to the strategy or multiple levels of execution of a strategy but yeah, I, I because would... I mean, you know, um, I um, I've been also reading reading up on uh, on the um, uh, what's that what's that guy who's been designing all these Automa uh, solitaire systems for uh, Jamie Stegmaier games. Um, yes, there's R- a Danish Ricky, guy, Ricky Royal, right? Well, yeah, I think he's done some of the work, but there's a, there's a Danish guy, uh, Morten, I think is his first name. Well, anyway, um, so these Ultima systems, you know, um, people praise them because they are they are simple. And if you if you read the design diaries on on these um, systems, uh, you know, one of the principles they they um, they use is okay, don't put anything else into the bot other than have it act at those points where there's interaction with the player, right? So that's why, you know, in a in a typical Euro game, it's fairly easy to come up with an AI system because you've got, you know, certain uh, points of interaction with the with the player. There's a market of some sort of tiles that everyone wants, and then there's an AI phase where certain tiles from the market are removed so that the player has less options available, right? Or the, the AI system will block a space, something like that. So these are the interaction points, and these are direct interaction points, right? Whereas in a coin game, the interaction points are of a different kind. They are of a kind, um, as I tried to explain earlier, you're kind of in, indirectly interacting uh, with, with, with the other game, not you know, directly in the sense of removing their pieces or something like that. You're doing that as well, obviously, but not only. You are also preparing ground for a future action. You're preventing a future action. You're anticipating, right? And these kind of things uh, are really, really require a high level of awareness from the AI system of the board state. And uh, so this is really the difficulty, I think, that we are facing with the coin bots, that the interaction points in the end, are so much more numerous, so much more in, uh, indirect than they are in a, in a, you know, some sort of euro game where an automa approach works. I agree. I, I do think that I do think that we have to find a way to simplify the input and the output for the AI, and and to make to make at least make the bots more playable. Um, I don't think they have to follow exactly what a human would do to be challenging. And you know, on and of course, Orion did the bots for Liberty or Death. He did a magnificent job. There, it's excellent work. It's work that yeah. I couldn't do and I didn't do. And and he's been wonderful and he supports the game. So I don't mean to be critical of that work. But we, he and I did disagree on two things. 
One mm-hmm. is, for the most part, the bots, and I believe coin bots in general, although you may disagree, are mm-hmm. set up to optimize for score in the short term. And uh-huh. um, I think there's some exceptions to that. But it, but I, in, as I look at the decisions the bots make, it's usually about optimizing for points. Um, yeah. Now, the, the, as a side, the good thing about that was when he went through that exercise, he did identify a handful of problems in the game. So it was very, uh-huh. it was a very powerful <laughs> analysis. But I don't think it's the reason we should – I don't think it's how our bots should be designed. That shouldn't be the goal. The other thing is predictability. I can't stand the predictability in these bots. And and I find them very yeah. easy to beat because I know what they're going to do next. And and you know, to me, I play the I play the flowchart to in two games, and so I know what's going to happen. I know what they're going to do, yeah. and I can and I can beat the bot, which is no fun. It's just um, yeah. So well, I, I think the uh, the Liberty of Death bots were the first ones to introduce die rolls into the uh, some of the decisions, right? So there was a little bit more. Yes, unpredictability and and, and that was a that was he was very kind to make that accommodation to my to my pressure uh, uh-huh. to see a little more variability in outcomes, which I think as a player yeah. makes it a little bit tougher. But um, yeah, I think that was that was a that was an important innovation that has since been uh, picked up in, in in other games, you know, that came up. So I think that was a definitely good. Yeah, um, you know, I, an excellent move, really. Yes, I agree, and and he's fantastic, and I I just uh, you know I I think it's going to take great minds like his and yours. Uh, to and and Bruce Mansfield and Jason Carr and 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 the host of people to rethink how we view this and your analysis of groupthink is dead on. It 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 we we're stuck in a rut of what we have to have what the bot has to do, and for the for the next big innovation we have to change that. I think the cards are a great step. And I think yeah. it's and, and the idea of designing AI before we get finished with the game is another great step. So yeah, um, so I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah, no, it's, sorry, I'm optimistic. Yeah, I um, you know, and I, I think that's the great thing. Uh, you know, going back to Volko, you know, he's just uh, so welcoming to you know get new people into the work on the series, and who knows what's coming out. You know, um, all the time, you know, I see new faces, new designers coming into the series, and and somebody there will, will, uh, you know, who knows what comes out there in terms of new ideas, you know. Right. So uh, I look forward to. It. Yes. Well, Vez, this is uh, I have a thousand other things to talk to you about, but we'll just save it for another time and another interview. I I uh, appreciate taking the, you taking the time. I want to congratulate you on all bridges burning. Very excited to play that here in the near future. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. And um, yeah. And and let me uh, let me close by just wishing you and your family um, safety and good times in these challenging times. And uh, hope to talk to you again yeah. soon. Yeah. Same to you. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for for the chance to you know chat to you. And uh, it's been great. And we should do this sometime again soon. And you know continue if if failing to talk to each other. You know continue corresponding by email and you know testing testing play testing games and, and stuff I, I really look forward to trying out flashpoint uh south china sea again i i saw the other day you um posted the latest uh set of of tweaks there and I, I'm, I'm excited to see how that works my my prediction uh on flashpoint uh south china sea i've, I've been i've gone public with this once uh before but i, I want to say it again i i i think it's going to be a uh, the surprise hit of 2020. Well, I, I'm going to change that now. I'm going to say it's probably going to be a surprise hit for 2021. <laughs> you know, given that yes. uh, 
I don't know how quickly you know uh, we get the production processes and stuff running all, all over the world and you know with the current disruption and all that uh, but um, a hit game a surprise hit uh, nonetheless I really enjoyed it uh, you're you're very kind and we should dedicate a podcast just to talking about your excellent feedback because uh, I will tell you that in the middle of it while I wasn't satisfied I had your your uh, emails in my ear saying Harold you can't really? be happy with this at this point <laughs> And I agree. Yeah, no, I, oh, that's that's. I mean, but that's essentially because I was having the same kind of problems myself, you know. So, um, like uh, many other designers, I presume uh, have multiple, you know, designs going on at the same time. You know, you just uh, you do you work on one thing, and if you don't get you know forward there, then you s shift to the other other design that you've got in the drawer. And uh, and so I had sort of similar similar issues with my own some of my own designs, you know, and I, I think it was really essentially me, you know, in those emails, me talking to myself in some ways and trying to also clarify my own thinking. Um, you know, I thought that was, um, so that that's where that came from. And I, and I thought that Grayson uh, Page was your uh, developer for the game. I thought he he's really a, really a clever guy as well when it comes to analyzing these games and trying to see what's, what's going on there. So I think you've got a really good developer there. Agreed, and he he uh, he did identify some key opportunities for improvement. But uh, but I'll tell you, it was uh, you know it, it, it I wouldn't I wouldn't rest. Uh, but certainly with your with your uh, with your encouragement about what what the game could be and what it wasn't at the time, it was fantastic. And it you know it's funny when you play test. I play test a lot with friends, and I enjoy mm -hmm. face to face or watching other people play the game because I get a lot from that. And yeah, and um, but so many times my friends say, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's great. And and they feel, you know, they feel some obligation to do that for you as a friend. And, yeah. and so it's great to have you as a friend and also somebody that gave me some really critical feedback at, a, at an important point in the development. Yeah, sure. And I, I um, yeah, I think it's important. And this is also something I know from Volko, you know, that, you know, trying to be yeah constructive and 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 critically constructive you know trying to sort of uh think of ways uh you know to get the game forward you know trying to make the design a little bit better you know trying to think of ways and what what is not working and, and all that i think volko you know from my interactions with him he's, he's again really really great in this so i i feel like i've learned a lot from him yeah agreed well it was a pleasure it's been a pleasure working with you and a pleasure talking to you today so thanks for taking the time and and stay safe my friend sure i i enjoyed it so uh yeah let's be in touch and take care